Hi, and welcome to the Data Engineering Podcast, hosted by Cynthia. I'm Jason Gould. I'll be uh, looking after the discussion every week. We'll cover a host of topics like DevOps and tooling, programming languages, strategies, and all that kind of stuff. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoy it. Hopefully, we'll catch you next time. Hi, guys. Uh, Welcome to the Data Engineering Podcast. Um, New season for us. It's season two, episode one. How exciting. means we've done 12 other episodes. Whoa. Can't believe we've bored Yay. that many people. <laughs> uh, I have some special guests with me today. I have uh, Tomo, as normal, our chief architect here at Cintio, yeah. and we have our CEO, Davrin, who's joining us for, the, I think, the second or the third time? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Happy to be here. Cool. I'm so excited I can barely talk. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So we're going to talk about a topic today, which is getting more and more attention around the world. We see um, a lot of it. We hear about a lot of this from our clients. Um, we're going to talk about data mesh uh, because it uh, seems to be the next big thing in the data world. Uh, Tomo, what, what is data mesh? I will tell you what's data mesh for me. So for me, it's a set of architectural patterns and rules and standards that enable business domain to publish to create and publish their data. This is how I see data mesh. Everything that is embedded in these rules and patterns I see as a recommendation you know, for creating data products. Uh, for me, it's all about data products. Because we see a lot of, I mean, data mesh in a lot of instances is still quite theoretical. Mm-hmm. And the trouble with theoretical is implementation then of it is actually quite personal. Yeah. For, you know, depending on what it is you're trying to achieve, I would imagine. You just described the history of software. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, like <laughs> Good ideas yeah, yeah. and various uh, levels of uh, implementation. Yeah. Cool. So data mesh effectively then is a, where, a way of decentralizing the management of data uh, in an organization. Um, and the end result, I would imagine the prefer- preference end result would be data as a product. Yeah, data exactly. is something that other uh, groups within your organization can consume, not data trapped inside a silo within a specific organizational unit in your sure. company. You, you move away the focus of collecting the data and keeping it stored somewhere to actually using it and learning and about your it. business. Sharing it, Mo- of more, most important thing, I think, on, on all of this is going to be other people can consume the data easily. Because mm. that's the bit where the value comes in, is letting other people have access to and, it. And data product, data as a product should, should give the context uh, for people who are using uh, your data to be able to use it properly and understand what's inside. Not just, here you go, there's the data set. And when we spoke about, you know, we just mentioned decentralized. Mm-hmm. So we, we look at that in the perspective of, uh, you know, de- and anybody you read about anything about data management is going to be domain driven. So you have a domain that looks after it. So effectively, what you're doing is then cross-functional teams within an organization that uh, the people that know the data are the ones that are publishing the data, yeah. not a centralized IT team who have no idea about the data being the ones publishing it. That's the anti-pattern yeah. that we're trying yeah. to get away from. Sounds reasonable. That does sound reasonable, doesn't yeah. it? When you put it like that. Yeah. Cool. So. Um, what are the benefits? Why, why do we want to do this? It sounds hugely disruptive. 
uh, to my organization. Why, why would I want to do this? Davrin's put his hand up. He wants to talk. He put his hand up. Bless. <laughs> oh, the CEO is asking permission to speak. Yeah. Oh, Thank God you, bless Jason. You. Thank you, Jason. <laughs> um, well, I mean, we, we talked about the uh, centralization, and I think uh, when we're looking from business perspective, uh, the challenges we have today is we have this um, uh, centralized IT team in a form of uh, uh, IT department or data warehouse or whatever you want to call it. And uh, basically what you did, you, you need to order stuff from them and uh, they need uh, quite some time actually to produce what you are, uh, what you are requested. Uh, but the, the process is lengthy because there is so much stuff uh, built into those systems that it will take uh, quite a lot of time and uh, resources actually to get it done. Uh, by the time it's done, um, you don't, sometimes you don't even remember why you requested it. It's been like, you know, it can be like three, six, 12 months even uh, before that's implemented. And all you wanted to do was like to prototype something to see if that's actually going to bring uh, uh, value to, to your company or department. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's just, it's just super time consuming. So I think we're moving from the from the centralized to decentralized uh, in a way to actually uh, speed up the whole process and uh, bring value much faster, bring data to the uh, consumers much faster than, than uh, we could have done before. So could we equate this then? So the benefits, I mean, I look at this and I see the journey um, that we did for agile transformations and I see the whole history of like microservice architecture and everything else and then we get devops and then we have data ops and effectively this is the same journey now but for your data architecture really isn't it and the way you use and consume data so we should get the same benefits in terms of so i look at this and i've been sort of thinking about data mesh for a little while and looking at the challenges of an organization and what we do is we go, we're going to have these DevOps teams producing small, you know, n the, the opposite of monolithic systems. Mm -hmm. uh, and then what we do is we set all of that on top of some monolithic data mm. system, which actually then doesn't solve the problem at all. And that for me should be the benefit that we see to the customer. It's in speed, business agility. Uh, you know, it's the same argument we have for going to cloud. You mm -hmm. know, you just mm -hmm. said that if you want to test a hypothesis, mm -hmm. well, if you've got to order some hardware, it's going to take six months. Then you go to the centralized team and say, yeah. I need this piece of data and it takes them another six months. Yeah. And as you said, a year into the whole thing, you've gone, what did I ask for that for again? Mm -hmm. Because, and you know, business has moved on. Um, you know, hypothesis has been disproven or whatever. And the knowledge of data is a bit diluted because the central team that is handling the, the request for new data mart or new part of data warehouse doesn't necessarily understand what they are doing. Mm. So that's another obstacle. Mm. And, and then, we, then we come to the... Um, uh, um, then we come to the, the also one part of the data mesh which is uh, federated governance. Um, that's super important because as just Tom, what Thomas just said, like they don't know the data, that the IT team does not know the data. So, and we heard it so many times before, right? Like you have the data coming in, only with that data you can do stuff and then the results will be as good as the data that was entering the system. But the IT team actually never cared that much about the quality of the data that was coming in, uh, partially because they were like, 
actually working with technology, not with the data itself. And uh, the second part, they, they actually didn't know in some scenarios like what the data quality should be, should look like. Well, they don't know what the data should be, so how can they test mm. its quality? Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Okay. And and you need to go like uh, way back. Like it's not, not just like looking at the source system, like how, how the data is being generated or acquired. Uh, that's something that domain experts know that are actually sitting somewhere close to the uh, uh, source IT systems. But the, the, the warehouse guys, like, they never had access to those people. It's just no. like they, they read the specification of the source system and then they were doing their best actually moving data, transforming it, etc. But the end result, even like in today's world, I think it's even more important because we use the data mainly for the dashboarding and reporting before so you can see wrong numbers and like okay this this number is wrong like the someone from business will will get that quite fast but now with like you know playing with machine learning algorithms and stuff like you actually don't see the data but the uh when, when you mix all the data together and uh, the percentage of the uh, uh the quality requested for the algorithm is uh just like way way lower than you would expect mm. then the results will be uh, not slightly different they'll just be completely wrong mm. and it's easy to lose uh, the trust in data once you you found out that it's wrong then usually what, what i mean it's human nature they don't trust it ever again it's funny because we've we've sort of been on this journey and, and i know in this podcast even before we've mentioned this a number of times if if you go back to you know, the 70s and the 80s, well, data mesh was what you did because that's how systems worked. You had no choice but to have decentralized stuff. And then we went through this bringing everything together. And, and you look at the complexity. I mean, if we go back to the 70s and the 80s, you, you, the computer systems that a typical company would have, you'd have five sources of data or 10 sources of data or something that you know, from an automated perspective. And you look at some of the companies we work with now that could have you know, five, six hundred, a thousand uh, systems creating data. Um, and you can't manage all of that lot in a centralized system, not and expect your company to be agile in any way, shape or form. Mm. And I mean, you know, and this is something we see a lot of. Fully agree. Fully agree. So the other interesting part that I know we, we have some stuff written on the board here um, because we didn't want to forget anything. And we normally don't. We normally just wing the whole thing. We don't practice this at all. For the first time with the stuff we wanted to remember so one of the other ones we had written on here was actually one of the benefits for technology as your company grows and goes through changes and everything else you are going to hire in competence uh, whether it be external consultancies or something that have specific domain or business knowledge and they're going to need access to stuff. So you might, as a company, decide, um, we want to go and do some AI or some ML. Mm. Might be something you don't have uh, in-house. You want to build the competence, so you want to get in some external people to help you with this. Well, if you already have data mesh, their job is just going to be so much easier because they can go to the data catalog, pick up the data they need. Um, and, you know, so you know, in every aspect of delivering uh, new capability within your organization is going to be massively faster than pre-data mesh. Is that right or not? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, just as you described, like, you have an external team or even a product coming in, um, and data is already there. Uh, there was uh, before an exercise where first you had to get 
the access, right? But then you got the access to the computer systems and then you needed to figure out like what is what and which is where and it, it was it was super uh, super challenging and not always you got it right because each company has even if they have same systems like they're set up in in slightly different way so it's uh, an overhead or a cost that is just not needed uh, uh, today with with data mesh being properly set up I'm, try I'm trying to think back to the i think it was the late 90s and I was doing some BI work uh, for big screens around the office mm. and I needed some data from one of our systems and the guys just said yeah here's, here is a read-only um, access to the back-end database and I'm like well there's like a thousand tables in here <laughs> where I need this piece of data where is it yeah oh, no no there's the access you figure it out yeah, it's just exactly like, exactly and just you, you if you if you think about it like that every time when a, like a, a new new consultant comes in or you you purchase a new product software product uh, you always need to do the same exercise because mm. you're always looking for those specific uh, data points that are needed for for either your product or, or service to work mm. uh, now you can go in a catalog and it's actually there and uh, it is properly described and you know that this is what you needed to use also Back in the days, you asked for uh, specific sales numbers. You would get like probably like 50 different numbers uh, from different kind of uh, perspectives, like being that like uh, sales department, marketing department, finance department. They, they were looking at the numbers. Actually, they were having different formulas for the same thing because their perspective is just different. And they're looking at it in a different way, yeah. Yeah, and, sure. and you will have in data mesh, in, in data catalog, you will probably have these uh, numbers, again, you will have probably like 50 different of them, potentially, but you will have the description of each of them and you will know exactly which one do you want. Is it a, is it a finance product? Is it a sales product? Mm. You will know exactly. Uh, we had a challenge in data warehouse where um, we were trying to standardize everything, but it just, just didn't work no, ever for me at least no. uh, it was just uh, yeah. that might just be you yeah yeah <laughs> so so how do we see it then i mean how, how does because as i mentioned right at the start of this you know data mesh is quite a conceptual thing it's a mm. uh, a high level uh, view of how you should share data through an organization and it mainly deals with the sort of you know governance and separation of responsibility and um you know the, the creator of the data should be responsible for the publication of the data and all that kind of stuff. Mm. How do we then actually narrow that down onto actions? If we're going to help a customer, how do we, how do we see it? What, what do we see as the end result? Um, maybe I can just start with the, the, uh, the there is a term um, in data mesh definition which describes it as a, a socio-technological uh, paradigm. Um, and you have the part with people and then you have parts with technology. Mm. The parts with people is uh, based on our uh, several projects we've gone through, uh, various stages of data mesh. Uh, the people part is definitely by far the hardest part because uh, you need to do the complete reorg. Um, and then you need, obviously, in most of the companies, you would uh, have a lot of blank boxes which you have to fill. Um, and then there is the technology part, which um, I, will, I will leave it to Toma to, to talk a little bit about it. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing is that, uh, again, it's, it's with people, not, not that much with technology, because the organization of a cross-functional cross domain team 
is rather easy. It's the old uh, project setup where you have a business business uh, expert, you have data expert, you have connectivity expert, and then you have data engineers and people who model the data after. And uh, I, I don't I don't think that uh, there, there is a technology like a breakthrough of technology there, except that cloud is supporting data mesh fully mm. and is, is aligned with, with that uh, architecture. But the thing is that, uh, you know, first you will get answers from the people who are working in domains, especially if they spend some time there. Why are we doing it, it all over again? We did it already. We did it with integration platforms. We did it with middleware platforms. Mm. And then it's, uh, it will take some time for them to figure out uh, how this is different. Because you actually integrate uh, the data. I mean, the data integrations should happen after you're done with your data product and create a new derived data product. Uh, rolling it out, uh, I would say that uh, any kind of uh, data set, either in SQL database, non-SQL database, it can be a document, it can be a file. Whatever someone needs, consumes, understands and can find in data catalog can be a data product. So, the, I mean, one <coughs> of the things that hugely concerns me is <coughs> Sorry. When, when we look at and and I see this for every new paradigm, whether it be microservices, whatever whatever it might be, agile transformations, all that kind of stuff. I see the same difficulties, and a lot of companies that I've um, dealt with in the past, agile transformation. We're doing an agile transformation. Cool. So, what tools do I need to buy? Mm. Uh, it's always focused on well, you're asking technology people to do an agile transformation or a data mesh, implement data mesh or whatever. So the first thing they're gonna do, it's super simple for them to focus on the technology. And the underlying issue never gets resolved. You know, you have these companies that have, they're doing all of the scrum, they have a Kanban board, they have this, they have this, but they're not working in an agile way at all. They're just going through the, the motions. And I worry that data mesh will end up with the same sort of issues if you don't actually look at the underlying problem is that data mesh is not a technology issue it's a business it's a, it's a not issue it's a, it's a business solution to sharing data around your organization which you need to do business yeah i mean finally you get the te 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 technological uh, product that will be aligned with data mesh architecture Hmm. That should be end result. So what we're saying is back to our digital transformation is that, you know, digital is just the way we do business. Well, mm -hmm. data mesh is just the way we do business. So it's sure. cross-functional teams of business and software mm. creating and it, data and, and, products. And, yeah, and the architecture itself is so high level that, uh, it, I mean, it's a good thing that it doesn't imply that you should use certain set of tools or technologies. Yeah, it just and, describes and the result and the process. So then you should find, I mean, that's also not perfect, but it's no. way better than to but be then you end up in a, bound uh, with the technology. So there, are, there is some rules though. I mean, you have to be able to mm. be published to the data catalog sure. and describe your data in a certain way mm. and have the governance in mm -hmm. place. Make sure that you are adhering to your regulatory requirements around mm. privacy, access control, and all that sure, kind of sure. stuff with sensitive data. Yeah. So there are... You know, you have to think about certain recommendations. Anyway. Yeah. There are not a lot of rules. There are recommendations. So, so. Daurin mentioned that uh, if you want to do ML or AI, 
you could easily find yourself a data, data set in a, a data catalog and start using it immediately. But you can also, I mean, uh, raw data that you'll probably use for machine learning it can also be... Uh, I don't see why a data topic with streaming data, which is well described with a defined schema and good documentation, why it shouldn't be a data product as well. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't have to be static a, yeah, and no, just for, sure. for analytical purposes, and it doesn't have to be highly curated. Well, and that's the interesting thing for me mm -hmm. as well is that typically when we hear people talk about this, they talk about it from a um, an analytics perspective. And yeah. Analytics, and I'll include AI and ML mm -hmm. a little bit into mm -hmm. that one. Whereas in reality, the big benefit I see for organizations from data mesh is actually more operational sure. uh, because that's typically way more urgent. Uh, problem solving you know you, you want to join processes together because as mentioned a, a number of times when we talked about digital transformation companies organize themselves around like work so you have a sales department and you have an HR department mm -hmm. you have this the customer's journey through your organization doesn't follow the same rule mm -hmm. whereas actually in a data mesh concept operationally would allow us to share data with each other in a way that you could follow that customer journey mm -hmm. and therefore actually help the company as customers change their behavior, you can stay ahead of that curve very quickly. Whereas at the moment, when a customer decides we're no longer going into a store, we're going to buy everything online, mm -hmm. it's super tough for a company to change yeah. how they do stuff. I mean, it's definitely applicable to, to both operational and analytical cases, for sure. Yeah, makes sense. I mean, uh, even when we, um, uh, I think we talked in one of the last podcasts about the, uh, uh, how do we move from the uh, monolith to more kind of uh, distributed systems. Mm. Uh, and this is, this is where I think the whole story with data mesh can actually, doesn't need to kick off there, but uh, just start decoupling the, either the huge source system you have or your data warehouse and start moving it into domains. I think that's kind of the uh, right place actually to start. Um, we also had previously um, uh, situations where you have the, um, um, I just forgot what I wanted to say. <laughs> no, just keep so talking. We can, we can fix that in post. Uh, Emma, you need to cut this bit out. Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> Please proceed. <laughs> Could stop. Carry on. Yeah. Uh, so one of the things I look at at this is, um, and I and I don't know if Davarin just mentioned the words decoupled or not. I'm sure I heard it. No. Uh, it's one of our favorite words here in uh, in Cintio's decoupling mm -hmm. stuff, and we talk a lot about decoupling things uh, from a systems perspective. And data mesh for me is the pattern for decoupling data, decoupling data from the systems that create it. Uh, because those systems frequently, you know, if you've bought an off-the-shelf product, they're not necessarily the easiest things for you to, for, for anyone else within the company to access that data. Whereas Data Mesh is actually saying to the, com the, the team that look after that, that know that system, that know that data, please share it with everyone else because it's useful to everybody. So for me, yeah, it's, a, it, it's, it's applying that same sort of decoupling hy uh, hypothesis onto, onto the data, not just onto the systems. Share, explain, and give uh, business context. Yeah. Because you know the data, we don't. Yeah. We just knew some metrics that we wanted to see from the system. Yeah. 
and it's accessible now. I mean, it's there. You just need to go into the data catalog, find what you want and uh, uh, take it. Uh, previously, you had to order it uh, or you actually had to look for it, uh, which was really time consuming and difficult, especially if you want to... It's hard to, to say which one is worse. Well, but if but ordering it or finding it, yeah, but they both it both takes years. And, and yeah, exactly. And if if you look from a standpoint that I want to prototype something, I want to I want to just prove my hypothesis. Well, you can't or you disprove. Have to, you have to create a project around it because it effectively becomes a project. You need yeah. a, a central team to bring you those data points. Uh, it will take them a couple of months. If this or, takes or a lot longer or a lot longer <laughs> but if this takes a couple of months or longer then you actually need to have a budget for it then you have to go in front of the uh, actually board or committee uh, to to ask for it uh, which is super difficult if you just want to prove a hypothesis and if you have 20 of those it's going to be super expensive and yeah, it's going to last and, years. and bearing in mind that you should be having so many hypotheses within your organization you know 100 at a time yeah and yeah. maybe only one or two of them will be super successful the rest of them you want to go that doesn't work throw it away after a week yeah yeah uh, which exactly if you've had to you know and set you, up a project team and run for six months to do it that gets expensive oh yeah and, and you might ask like i mean okay so how many hypotheses hypotheses can you have actually right because everybody's now in this mode of, well, I have to order the data, I have to get the access and everything. So you are just focusing on those one, two, three, maybe that you have. And what we have experienced on multiple uh, uh, sites so far, uh, you start very shy with several hypotheses that are there. And mostly those are successful because people are focuses on, fo focused on kind of low hanging fruit. Uh, but then you see people coming up with ideas like, can we do this? Can we do that? And then all of a sudden out of like, you know, a couple of teams and few hypotheses, uh, you, you have uh, what we have like uh, even hundreds of teams now that are uh, building uh, new data products that are going to be used, some of them for, for, for digital products, but some of them will be just used as data products uh, for uh, downstream consumers. Mm which now even have the option to see, look, we have these data products ready. Before it was like uh, super, super complex to actually uh, figure out how to calculate them and where to get the data for calculations. So, so we, that's how we, we see it. How, how do we, I mean, we're actually doing this for a few customers actually yeah. helping them adopt data mesh. How do, how do we roll that out? What, what is it we're doing for them? Is it, advice consult you know helping with the strategy the people aspect of it is it creating patterns is it helping with governance uh, you know what, what are we doing for them technical enablement architecture help consulting and rolling out use cases creating uh, creating the systems that so, provide I mean, digital pro uh, data product. Do, do we recommend, for example, that everybody does it in sort of the same way, at least to start with? I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, should we recommend everyone that is working with, uh, you know, streaming data and messages to use Kafka? Probably not, but maybe something similar. It doesn't make sense to create it from the scratch each time. Mm. So definitely uh, reusable patterns that uh, you're able to introduce. I mean, but I, I would connect that with data mesh. That's just like common sense and software development. Mm, oh yeah, for sure. That's, that's why frameworks exist. 
I think that in, in data world, it's a new thing because everything was always uh, made custom. The, you know, if you take a look at uh, the biggest names in, in data world before, the data, data ETL tools or Informatica, so all the other IBMs, Oracles, uh, yeah, I mean, you would have a tool, uh, but that tool was created and designed for you to create yourself a custom data warehouse, mm. just to create it from the scratch and over again and over again. It wasn't designed as a regular software framework where you would have a reusable components. Mm. Of course, you could use those tools to do it, but it wasn't a, a common practice in, in data warehousing. So I think it's, it's uh, you know, if we are uh, preaching uh, uh, reusable components and components uh, uh, that can be used as accelerators uh, when um, uh, creating data products or data mesh environments and keeping, keeping um, ourselves clean toward all the rules that are there and we find them useful, then it's just, uh, I would say, old software practices, good ones. Mm. Cool. So... We're just going to actually, we're going to deviate from our normal pattern of, uh, of, of uh, podcast here. We quite frequently talk about our experiences with our customers and all the rest of it. Obviously, we don't say who they are or anything like that. We quite frequently talk about some of the challenges that people might face and all that kind of stuff. We rarely actually talk very specifically about what we do uh, because we don't want to be, you know, it's not supposed to be, it's supposed to be a conversation about data. Data platforms, not an advert for our company, but actually, uh, we do make a bunch of data products um, or data management products. Data, basically, products that support data mesh. We make a data platform ourselves, uh, so um, and it does support data mesh out of the box. So, if you want to focus on the actual uh, part of data mesh that provides the value, uh, which is making sure the human aspect of it's working right and you just want to get something off the shelf to accelerate your journey, come, come and take a look at it for sure. I'm not going to say anything else. That's enough commercials yeah. sponsored by CTA. <laughs> yeah, it was a commercial yeah. break there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice commercial break. So what about the future then? What does the future hold for Data Mesh? I mean, I can see huge positives, but I can see one gigantic negative. Mm. Well, I mean, when you think about it, it was introduced just um, several years ago. Uh, there are several companies that are on the path of, of creating uh, full-blown data mesh. Uh, there is loads of companies that are uh, just started, that just started the whole journey. Uh, we see a lot of benefits as mm. of now. Um, obviously, there is a potential challenge of huge complexity, but then again, when you have domains and subdomains and various uh, data products inside of them, I can see that being quite well organized. Now, um, I haven't seen yet uh, the challenges to the extent that we had before with the centralized team, but that's something maybe that's coming as well. Mm. I mean, my, my fear is that like when, when you have anything that becomes super popular, people try and monetize it. Uh, and my worry is that, like you know, agile, where if if you adopt this bunch of agile tooling, it makes means you've done your agile transformation. And I, my worry is that, you know, we'll be having companies saying selling a data mesh product. All you do is pump all of your data into this, um, and you can use it all. And it's like, well, that's a centralized data platform then. 
Uh, and the whole idea is with data mesh and, and the bit that then is lost is it's the creators of the data that are responsible for the publishing of it, not yeah. what would then turn into a centralized team looking after a data mesh platform. Yeah. Uh, and that sort of, you know, it, the whole idea about make, allowing things to go fast is by sharing information uh, with small teams that are decentralized and decoupled. Mm -hmm. um, and that then I worry that buying a data mesh platform mm -hmm. um, that does data mesh for you mm -hmm. uh, then is an anti-pattern to that. That's the thing I see. I worry that, you know, oh, we have data mesh. I bought it. I'm just thinking it's, it's actually quite hard actually to build a data mesh platform or a pro product. I mean, if it, if it was centralized, then obviously much easier, but with a, with a distributed way, because you have several layers, you have the, you have the governance, you have data products. Uh, it, it is just until you get to the technology, which is basically the software part that mm. you can sell. Uh, there are so many layers that had to be uh, implemented already. And then the technology part, um, I mean, yeah, as, as you mentioned, we, we did build kind of a data platform which uh, contains uh, several products that are going in a, in a data mesh direction and we are doing But they're this. actually useful for a whole bunch of other stuff at the yeah, same time. No, basically what they're for is for sharing data. Yeah, exactly. And, and on data platforms, I mean, you have different, different cloud vendors, uh, obviously, and they have various services there. So when you mentioned like if there is a cookbook on how we can actually implement data mesh. Uh, let's say kind of, because uh, every cloud platform is different, every client is different, and then you obviously look at the, the whole scope and maybe scale uh, for the future. Mm. And also the, uh, I mean, what was the previous setup in terms of technology? You have a lot of people there, that a lot of engineers that you would like to onboard to, let's say, the new way of working. So we need to take into account uh, their capability, their, capability, their, their knowledge, and uh, if uh, they will actually, you know, be comfortable working in this environment. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, at the end, when you look at the technology, there is a number of stuff that uh, uh, we are bringing in um, onto the existing cloud vendors uh, to actually do the, let's say, fast track to data mesh uh, from tech aspect. Mm. It's interesting. I'm so bad at predicting things that will happen in future that I'll just stay quiet. I think you should make some predictions because they're guaranteed not to come true. So <laughs> predict, exactly. predict all the stuff you don't want to happen now. And we can guarantee that it never happens yeah, in the future. I, I think that um, <clears throat> you mentioned the fear that it will be connected to a certain tool or technology. I think that it won't happen. Uh, because it's still a niche thing and quite obscure. We, outside of the data world, nobody's mentioning data mesh, nobody's talking about it. It's just a thing it's, that is... But, it, but it, it is, though. I mean, we're starting to see, you know, big data. London, for example, has a data mesh stage. It's going to become more into the mainstream. And we, we see it... Mainstream in data world. Yeah, but then, you know, you, you, you look at... You looked at the way that the digital natives that have been hyper successful have worked. Mm. Um, and, you know, we'd had this with microservices and with Agile and with, with all of this stuff and decoupling and decoupled architectures, event-driven architectures and all that kind of stuff. All of those companies, you know, the, the Netflixes, the Spotify's, the Amazons mm. the, of the world, this is how they already work. 
This is why they are being so successful, yeah. how they are able to very quickly change the way they do business. 14 of them. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. they're the ones that everybody look to. In the next so 20 years, it could be 100. It, 100 and 2. Probably. Oh, that, Mr. That, Negative so over that's, there. That's wow. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Excellent. And we know they never come true, so it'll be thousands. <laughs> I mean, for yeah, I think from the uh, for the prediction, um, if we have everything decentralized before and then we centralized it, now we are decentralizing everything. We will have go back onto that cycle. I mean, we are we are back into centralizing everything. Now, will this be like in ten years or one hundred years? I I can't say. Let's see. Let's see. Cool. Um, I think we've done actually we've done quite a long one today, but it's fine. Mm. I'm sure everybody's still awake. Yeah. I'm <laughs> sure nobody uses our pod podcast to get off to sleep in the evening. Yeah. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, thank you, Davrin. Thank you, Tomo, for your uh, input, as always. Thank you, Jason, thank you. for hosting. Thanks. I hope to see you next time. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Cheers, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.